welcome to the Astro All-Stars podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa Montgomery, pro astrologer and author of Star Power and Cosmic Power. This podcast is for you if you're an astro-curious modern mystic and ready to free your mind, own your power and create your world. Let's go. Hey starlings, I hope you have had a brilliant Taurus season and got some rest ready for Gemini season of which we are at the doorstep of right now. So for my classic Taurus, I have chosen Christopher Renstrom who has Taurus rising actually like myself and my previous Taurus rising guest Cena. So my Taurus rising sees Christopher's Taurus rising, his Venus rulership and queer perspectives in astrology. Christopher has been practicing astrology since the 80s, has a background in theatre and has a third book on the way. His wealth of imagery, vocab and metaphors were rich and he was so high vibe to chat to. So we talk on multiple topics. It's educational, informal and entertaining. And I ask the question, is that why we're so pretty? (laughs) To which he chuckles. We name and shame US navel gazing before indulging hardly in her history. As we recorded this, the sun was exactly conjunct my ascendant. So my voice is really dominating this dialogue in terms of sound. So please bear with the sound inequity as Christopher, perhaps in uh, premonition, did suggest we test the audio. So Christopher Renstrom is the creator of rulingplanets.com, an online astrology site based on his best-selling book, Ruling Planets, which was published by HarperCollins in 2002 and has sold out its print run. He currently writes the daily horoscopes for the San Francisco Chronicle and sfgate.com. Renstrom also lectures on the history of astrology in America from pre-revolution to modern times, which is his speciality, and runs ruling planet workshops around the country. So Christopher's latest book, The Cosmic Calendar, Using Astrology to Get in Sync with Your Best Life, is published by Tarcha Peregree, an imprint of Penguin Random House. His first book, Ruling Planets, Your Astrological Guide to Life's Ups and Downs, uh, is available, so look for that. And Christopher is also the weekly columnist for Astrology Hub. For more Christopher Renstrom, you can find him at www.rulingplanets.com. So worth a look in, so fun. I think he would just do really great readings. I'm really tempted myself and I I rarely, if ever, actually get my own chart read. I like to discuss things with people, but I never actually get a full reading and I have to say I'm very tempted (laughs) he's lots of fun his uh, knowledge of history is fantastic classic Capricorn actually he has a sun in Capricorn moon in Pisces and of course the Taurus rising so that Capricorn is all over the history so without further ado here we go Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Me too. I've really enjoyed uh, your presence on IG and I heard that uh, great and funny talk you did does Uranus make me gay, which put you totally on my radar. (laughs) And here we are. I've really warmed up to you with your IG um, presence now and the lives you've been doing and I love your vocabulary. <laughs> and so much reference and yeah you can really tell when someone's done astrology for a long time so when did you get started in astrology um when your parents met 
think your parents were born when I started astrology. <laughs> um, I started astrology in the early 80s. So Taurus, in your work and life, what have you observed and perhaps relate to or understand re Taurus generally and specifically to you, the rising? Like what's the headlines on Taurus that you really... Well, I love Taurus. Um, it's also my rising sign. So, so I've got like a secret preference, of course, but I absolutely love Taurus. It's, um, it's a sign that is very relaxed with itself. You know, of all the earth signs, I actually find it the, to be the most comfortable in its own skin. You know, uh, Virgo as an earth sign can be very, you know, nervous or agitated, something along those lines. Um, Capricorn can be kind of melancholic or a little bit on the depressive side or something like that. But Taurus, and, and I'm basing this on where astrology comes from, which is basically uh, the Mediterranean. Okay, so, so Taurus is in, 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 in the origins of astrology, a spring sign. It's the heart of spring. And so Taurus really has what I call this pastoral flavor to it. You know, um, here in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, it's, it's, it's connected to that time of year when the roses are blooming and the plants are bursting with life. And so there's this optimism that's woven into Taurus, where it looks on the bright side of things. You know, uh, by the time you get into um, Virgo, it's so heated and harried, you know, and, and you can really sort of see that Mercury rulership with 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 Virgo um, and then Capricorn you know here in the northern hemisphere it's it's connected to uh, shortest day longest night so it has much more of a melancholic flavor Taurus really has this like let's weave together garlands of flowers and hang out in the pasture and pasture and play our little flute pipes <laughs> you know and things like that you know it's just like kind of marvelous you know Tampax commercial in a way with <laughs> <laughs> used to be in the 1980s but it's you know everyone like celebrating their body and celebrating the season and just oh I love and, it and and that's one of those things that I think is kind of like underplayed with Taurus is for an earth sign and <clears throat> earth is about the body you know it's health and wealth for an earth sign Taurus is really the most relaxed and the most at home in their mm -hmm. bodies and that's something that I don't think gets enough uh, press it's true and just having the rising I've got no planets in earth I just have that Taurus rising and I really really relate to that which to me proves how how important a component that rising is to representing the person and you are a Capricorn you're an earth sign how many planets do you have in earth just curious I have three I three. have my uh, Sun, Jupiter, and Saturn. I was born under Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in Capricorn. Oh, very nice. And the rising. So you must really relate to that embodied sensuality. With the Taurus, the Capricorn might be like, I've got to work. I can't have a massage. I know. Well, you know, you just quoted my life right there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was a period of time earlier, younger in my life, where it was all about that work, you know. And then the Taurus rising was the toughing it out you know because the the Taurus rising gives you a sort of thick skin yeah you know um when I was growing up we used to have a watch commercial uh Timex watch you know and someone would be like you know darling um we just got back from the beach and where's your Timex watch and it's like oh no I forgot it you know <clears throat> and so they race back to the beach and like 
the surf has come in and it's been smashed against the rocks and all these sorts of things. And it's like, here's your Timex. And, you know, they sort of pluck the Timex watch out of the water or whatever. And it's like, it's still ticking. And, it, and then the motto would come on, Timex. Uh, takes a licking but keeps on ticking. <laughs> <You know? laughs> takes a licking but keeps on ticking. That's hilarious. <laughs> and I love that the Capricorn's giving an example with a time and a watch. <laughs> of course, of course. Of course. Of course. <laughs> that struck you. But that's what I love so much about Taurus is that it can take a lot of punishment. Mm. You know, it will. It, it, it can take a lot of punishment. Um, although the bull, of course, is famous for seeing red and charging. Um the anger level on a Taurus is actually very low. It really takes a lot to get them angry, which is kind of an interesting question I would shoot back to you, Vanessa, having the Sagittarius and a Taurus rising, how that operates. Because Sagittarius can be so reactive, but then Taurus like brings down, you know, the the temper level. So Well, I've got moon in Aries as well. So there's I've got That's an abundance of fire. <laughs> I've got I think it's seven planets in fire. Um, yeah, so I find the Taurus rising, and this is where it helps to observe, yeah, if the chart is so different to the rising, you can really see that rising still yeah. in effect. So I find uh, I have to get over, not the fire, through the fire, not the firewall, it looks like the earth wall. It's, right. It can be a good thing. I have poker face like you've never seen. If I need to put it on, I would make the best spy. But um, usually I'm very expressive, but I have that to lean into. And I just find I tend to be cool. Like I am very buttoned down. I keep it very cool. I do have Saturn in the first house as well. Okay. Oh, <clears throat> so is it in Taurus or, or Gemini? It's in Gemini. Okay. So I have to scale that wall to get the Sag out. <laughs> I can see what kind of person I would be if I had a fire rising. It would be, I'd be a different person. That right. Taurus has been such a stabilizer, it's a real anchor in my life. It makes me like all that knowledge gathering and big idealistic ideas. Well, how is it practical? And I come back to this really practical point as well as the sensuality as well as I really like I love my body I love natural things I'm so like I very really do inhabit myself sensually and I think it's that Taurus because a Sagittarius would just be too busy surfing so <laughs> getting knocked about in the waves but I think it's interesting and something I've noted with you too so it's interesting that yeah you've got all the earth plus the Taurus rising your first book the cosmic calendar it sounds like you know you really bring it back to that seasonal cycle which you also just mentioned and that's something I do as well and I think it's the Taurus rising yeah, I, it, it's very important because it, it's, you know, what people sort of forget about astrology, you know, a lot of times it's, oh, it's about the future and then, but it's referencing the past and, you know, but what astrology really is about is time. And, and we're, we're used to thinking of, okay, we live in time, you know, like I, 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 uh, I've got a calendar and I've got deadlines and I've got things that I've got to do. But what we also forget is that time lives inside us. You know, we talk about body clocks, you know, mm. and, and 
and time lives inside of us. And so that kind of connection to time is something which makes astrology astrology, you know, living in your time. And, and astrology comes to being because the planets are followed in the stars and or the planets are followed in the nighttime sky. So this is where they set up the year with the four seasons, all these sorts of things. But this idea of living in your own time um, is something that's kind of in astrology, but I feel really comes out beautifully like with Taurus. Like, you know, literally, you know, something we used to say all the time in the 70s, it was like, in my time and space, I, I, I had such an obnoxious childhood in the 70s. But anyway, the big thing was like, time and space it will take place in time and space. Oh, California. really? That was a thing. Yeah. But that was a thing. That Was, was that thing. like being in the now? Was that a bit of being in the exactly. now? Exactly. Or what we would call mindful. Back in the 70s, it was like, I'm owning my time and space. I oh. need to be in my time and space. I need space to figure this out. Right. Okay. Well, we're in the air times now. Maybe that's the spaciousness coming back. <laughs> I think it's really interesting. Oh, the other thing I meant to say is with the Taurus rising, I feel like I know quality. I like literally studied oh. textiles and fashion design. <laughs> I can pick the best food, natural fibers only. Like once you know it, you can never go back when it comes to quality. And, and you know, textiles is ruled by Jupiter, which is the ruler of Sagittarius. Oh, which is in Sagittarius conjunct my son. Woo. Okay. Yeah. Because, <laughs> um, uh, uh, textiles was the interweaving. And that was actually an image that was used to describe the polis in ancient Greece. Uh, where we get the word political. Polis meant city, city-state. And so Jupiter or Zeus was the god of the city-state. And so it was the interweaving of all the different peoples who lived in that city-state. Mm -hmm. It's the origin of democracy, of like, you have to take in different people's perspectives, opinions, what they have to say, and then you weave them together into this mm -hmm. tapestry. And if you know your Greek mythology, of course, Athena, the daughter of Zeus, is an expert weaver. That's what right, okay, that's interesting. That's what oh. she's known for. So textiles is ruled by Jupiter, which rules your sign, Sagittarius. Just thought you'd want an extra little bump there. <laughs> All about me. Well, I, I'll share this interesting thing. Uh, it's interesting to me, maybe no one else, but my last name is Montgomery. My dad's from Scotland, of course, and apparently the first tartan textile mills were started by montgomery's possibly no relation but i just thought oh, isn't that interesting and i've ended up studying this yeah and i didn't know that about the jupiter and, and sagittarius yeah wow yeah no there's a whole it's it's amazing where you find history you know it's kind of yeah. like the is where you find it but you know it's amazing you know how those things carry such history and and that resonates so so powerfully not in a nostalgic way but in a kind of like interpreting your life way you know or, or mm. interpreting astrology sort of way because if you work with astrology you have this profound love of history I and mean, you're going to spend more of your time in the past and the future which is ironic for something which is all about the future but anyway well is it though it's about it's all of it isn't it like i love this idea of that embodied time and that internal clock because it's so true this it just it's like the planets represent when that clock strikes Jupiter return or whatever. It is, right. it is what it is. And that's it. When your body gets to that point and it makes some sort of a change, it is what it is. We do respond to the cosmic clock with just the sun and moon daily, seasonally. So Taurus. I love that. Well, and also even look at um, the, the time when people tend to pass 
you know, people have a tendency oh, to yes. for their birthday or after their birthday, if not like on the birthday. And the reason for that is because the sun is trying to get back to that place in the sky where it was when you came into this world, you know? And so, mm. so, so it's that struggle to get back. And so it's almost like it's aligning itself in such a way to sort of like, I don't know, shoot your soul back up into the stars where it came from. But there's, you know, that, I mean, that's as strong in us as, I don't know, salmon swimming upstream to spawn, you know? It's, this, it's, it's the sun struggling to get back to that place in your sky, your birthday when you were born to kind of release, you know, again. So that kind of alignment is really, really powerful. Isn't it interesting? I do, yeah, I love to look at all the transits when something happens. My uh, cousin's dad uh he's a pisces and he was on his deathbed and okay. i was living in another state but i wanted to come up and see him before he died and i'm just like he's gonna die when that moon goes in the pisces i just know it i know he's just gonna swim off into the cosmos and so i got up here and indeed he did and i was just like wow i knew that i think that was also intuition but using that framework of astrology you just sometimes know and it helps to pin it to something so I yeah, think it definitely well, works together. Because you're pinning it, you're you're literally pinning it to a star or, you know, mm. and, and in terms of like the planets, but you're literally pinning it to those rhythms. And that's something which is so ingrained in us, not only, <coughs> excuse my coughing, we have, it's spring, so we have pollen, but not only is it ingrained in us, you know, physically, but it's also ingrained in ter terms of the way we live our lives according to time. So you know, those sorts of alignments are just so very, very powerful. It's fascinating, isn't it? It's when you're like, oh, my God, the cosmic intelligence is real. Now, yes. <laughs> let's talk about, let's talk about. This is real. We're just an adverb. <laughs> well, let's talk about uh, the ruling sign, Venus. So, Christopher, do you think that's why we're so pretty? Of course. Okay. <laughs> And it's why we care about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about giving good face. Uh, so, so the ruling signs and their placement, I did want to just see what you thought about that with Venus ruling the ascendant. Um, and then, the, you know, where Venus is in the chart, you put a lot of emphasis on that when you're looking at charts. Personally? Yep. No. I actually work a little differently. Okay. I, I work with the, I work ab absolutely with the big three, which is the sun, the moon, and the rising sign. But I also work with what I call the ruling planet, which, uh, it, which was the first book actually I published in 2002. But um, uh, that's when you were born. Okay. So, <laughs> you are so right, young. 1971. <laughs> no, you didn't have to say, but you looked at you. Anyway, so um, no, what I call the ruling planet is the planet that rules your, your sun sign. And the way that I work with that ruling planet is that it's the patron saint, corporate sponsor, den mother and life coach, all wrapped up into one. Mm -hmm. So that's the one that you follow. So in your case, for instance, with Sagittarius, uh, I would call your ruling planet Jupiter. Mm. And with me being a Capricorn, I would call mine um, Saturn. And there's there's a whole long tedious case that I could make for why that's it. Mm. We're not going to talk about that. But, um, but let's work with the ruler of the ascendant because that is commonly used and, and mm. often used. And what I find is that it will sort of place 
where the energy is going uh, in the chart. Actually, you know what a better word is? And I know it sounds a little like whatever, but I'm going to use the word and let's see what you think about it. It contextualizes it. Mm -hmm. you know, I love that word. Yeah. Don't you love contextualize? I love contextualize because context is everything. Well, to me, it's almost like it's the Christmas ornament that you pin on the tree. So like you've mm. got your, your rising sign and then the planet that rules it is like the Christmas. So the planet that rules the rising sign I see is sort of like the Christmas ornament that you pin on the tree. So are you going to pin it at the top near the star? Does it go in the back of the tree? Does it go in the bottom? Does it go where you can find it in between the, you know, branches? Does it go mm. on the outside? You know, and so that it, it, it places it. And so it does play a very important role, um, I, I mm. think, or, or obviously the planet that, that rules the rising. So where Venus shows up, it's going to be mm. very important. But you're also, for Taurus risings, uh, you're also going to want to be aware of, is your Venus in front of your sun, a morning Venus? Is it mm. the same sign as your sun? Um, uh, uh, out of left field blind spot Venus, or is it uh, behind your sun, which is an evening star Venus? And so those are two, those are three very different ways of how Venus will show up and, and, and work in your chart. Mm. Well, I won't uh, use, I don't say the, the rising sign is a ruling planet, but I definitely think it has, it's always interesting to look at what it's up to, where it's placed. I would probably say ruling planet is. Yeah, I'll look at the sun as well. And the final dispositor, I tend to have a little look-see at as well. You know, if... <laughs> just, just a drive-by look-see for the final dispositor. <laughs> a little look in. <laughs> so if you have Venus conjuncture sun, that's like, that's a particularly strong Venus. And then if your sun is in Taurus, wow, it's all just, it's all happening. Right. But also, is your is your Venus in the same sign as your sun? Okay, so that's a Venus that you're not really too aware of how she acts. Um, but if you have Venus on your sun, like the exact degree, that's Kazemi, and that's a Wampow Venus. That's like like incredibly powerful. And the people that I've re read for who have Venus Kazemi are just like, wow, you know. Wow. Draw them in. I mean, it's amazing. They could have like three legs and a whatever, and they draw them in. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Imagine having Taurus rising, the sun on the ascendant, Venus on the sun on the ascendant, in Taurus, all in sign. Oh my gosh, what a charmer. I want to meet her. I know, I know. Well, she, uh, you know, is beyond fabulous. There's fabulous. <laughs> She's booked up. <laughs> <laughs> Big time. <laughs> Until next decade. <laughs> so let's, I'm going to share a bit of mine and I'll see what you say about it. Uh, so I have Venus in the eighth house. Oh. So uh, she's private and it's. <laughs> she's. she's <laughs> she's uh, conjunct Mercury and square Pluto. They're the only aspects. Wow. Don't judge me. No. <laughs> I'm going to celebrate your poetry song and dance. <laughs> well, I do think it's funny. I do speak in rhymes. Sometimes it just comes out rhyming. And same with when I write. I think it's that um, conjunction with Mercury and maybe a stronger Venus because it's the rising. And, and is it okay to ask what sign it's in? Oh, so they are in Sagittarius. Oh, they're part of your, okay. Stellium, okay. yeah late sad wow. okay 
no, it's 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 actually really really great and fabulous combination. Um, but <laughs> do <laughs> do you have a little bit of the runaway bride syndrome? Currently, yeah. <laughs> Usually my brides run away from me, but now I'm okay. like, I am going, I'm committing to my life that I'm meant to lead as a Sagittarian bachelor slash non-committal floozy. Okay. But actually, do you mind my asking? I don't mind. Okay. Do the brides, did the brides have a tendency to run away from you? Yes. You know why? <laughs> why? Because I want to be free. <laughs> It's eighth house. So it's talking more about the people that you're drawn to. This is the tricky thing about the yeah, right. houses. Tell me about it. It's almost like reading twins charts or something. You have to really separate how much of this is about me. Yes. It's about the other person. Do you know what I'm saying? And yeah. Really <laughs> I noticed the same. It's like, it's, it's still you though. It's still your chart, but it mm-hmm. is experience through the actions of the other person yeah it's like I did a talk on this with transits and I was like it's like this weird hall of mirrors and it can be quite complicated but in the end it is one's own chart so what are you choosing someone else to enact for you in some ways that's the way I would I was kind of interpreting that would you say that I think it's a lovely interpretation it's a hopeful one and I'm all behind it Sagittarius <laughs> but the thing is, I I don't I'm not convinced that we own the whole chart. Right. Okay. Yep. Okay. I'm not convinced that those twelve houses, that the real estate of those twelve houses belong to us. Because that's a real um, modern psychological interpretation, isn't it? Kind of, although the people I've gotten into huge arguments with about have been the Jungian astrologers. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Like they would say it's because all they, you because they insist that everything in the chart is integratable yes i don't think everything in the chart right. is interesting I really, tell me more really don't. i don't think we i don't think we own all those 12 houses and it's interesting we're talking about venus because i think the planet that we really don't own is venus really yeah tell me more Okay, um, are you familiar with Greek mythology and, and, and the creation of the world and all these sorts of things? Reasonably. You're like, give me a quick version. Okay, so um, life begins with Uranus, the sky god, stooping Gaia, you know, and they're going at it like, you know, hot and heavy teenagers in the back of the car, you know, or something like that. And they just cannot be. And so they're like stooping, stooping, stooping constantly and all these. And so out of their stoopiness, okay, comes comes these beautiful things like stars and moon and night and oceans and land and things like that. You know, this is how they're making life live. Okay. And it's really beautiful with gazelles and zebras and things like that until like the first cyclops shows up with like really bad BO. Okay. And then Uranus, who's like, you know, the, the sky god, okay it's like oh my god that smells like what the hell's that you know and guys like it's your it's a child of yours and you should treat them all alike and show no preference or favor you know or something like that so he's like okay okay so they go back to stooping and more beautiful things come out of it and then there's like a hundred armed man and then a huge spider and you know like ugly things and so <clears throat> what um Uranus does, and you have to remember they're gods. So what Uranus does is that he says, is there any way that we could put these ugly ones back up inside of you? Like, we'll keep the nice ones out. But is there, it's almost like he's rotating 
knickknacks on the shelf or something like that. But he's like, can we put the ugly ones back up inside? She's like, I guess. And so he does. And so they continue and they segregate between the beautiful and the ugly, the beautiful and the ugly. And Gaia gets to a point where it's like too painful. And so she turns to one of her children. She talks in her armpit. She, they're gods. So she, she talks in her armpit because that's what gods do. And um, <clears throat> she asks if one of her kids would do something for her. And they're like, what? And she's like, I need you to take this scythe, this, 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 this blade, and cut your, cut your father's balls off. Okay. And they're like, oh. And Saturn's the only one who says, I'll do it. Okay. <laughs> and so he lays in wait. And so the next time Uranus swoops on in for you know, his booty call, Saturn jumps out and performs this extraordinary cosmic coitus interruptus. Okay. He takes his father's you know, genitalia and he hacks them and he throws them like frisbee like, like. <laughs> sailing through the air and these huge testicles land in the Mediterranean and they explode out with blood and semen and semen and blood and it all comes frothing up and out of that is born Venus. Okay. That's amazing. <laughs> out of that. And so you have this extraordinary thing where Saturn separates and Venus mm. brings together. Okay, so it's these two ideas. But what's fascinating about this, other than, you know, that kind of like narration, but what's fascinating about this is that of all the Olympian gods, Venus isn't related to them. Mm. I mean, she is by Uranus, but... All the other ones are connected to Zeus in some way, a brother, a sister, a child, or whatever. Venus is not. I mean, they kind of rewrite her history a little bit later, but Venus is not. She belongs to Uranus. So Venus is almost kind of like the overseas, you know, like, uh, uh, what, what, what do they call the babysitters? Like au pairs or something like yes. that? Yes, yeah, right. She's not from around here, okay? So, so even if you look at her archetypally, she's not connected to everyone else. And so Venus is also the power of attraction in your chart. <clears throat> she's, she's the planet that's going to bring in the people that are going to like you or be like you. That's Venus's job, mm. is to stack the deck with people who like you, okay? Because Venus knows that whatever you accomplish in life, you're not going to accomplish by yourself. You have to accomplish with people who are in your corner, you know, people who like you, believe the same things, laugh at the same jokes, can't stand the same politicians. So this is what Venus does. She peoples up the chart. So I think her job is more to match make and to bring the people in, but that has nothing to do with what we want, okay, or think we appear. She's mm -hmm. just doing it on her own. And that can, sign, that can sound delightful, but she can also take on some more nefarious qualities, you know, because Venus will be the planet that, oh, she says no, but she means yes. You know, because Venus is about the invitation, the welcome, the saying the yes. And so that's where she can actually cause a lot of problems if you're not aware of your power of attraction, or yep. what you're drawing into your life. And I think being aware of our power attraction and who we draw into our life is one of the blind spots that we all have in life. I don't think we're all that aware of it. I mean, how many times have we ended up with someone that we really wanted, you know, or have been surprised by the person, you know, who shows up in our life. So, so Venus has those, those, those qualities to her. And that's why mm. I think, long story short, but that's why I think of all the plants in the chart, she may very well be the most mysterious and the most uh, difficult to get to know. 
Oh, that's a very interesting perspective. And it does make me reflect and think, yeah, totally, you're right. But then if you just go, yeah, it's not like intellectual, it's something else. It's like you might think someone would be great on paper, but this is the one that you're vibing with, actually. So if you're willing to just allow Venus to work her magic, perhaps, rather than go with what you're meant to do or what you think you should do. Well, look at our romantic comedies, because I think that tells us a lot about Venus. You know, how many of our, how much of our rom-coms or our romantic comedies deal with two people who can't stand each other at first? <laughs> that is so different, or they seem so different. Right, or the friends are saying, you guys are like the same thing, and they're like, no, not at all. You know, they have this blind spot, and that's the whole story of the romantic comedy, is how they actually end up discovering or finding or coming together in a way that was completely unpredictable or unknown or, you know, I mean, it goes from as you like it to, you know, whatever. But um, no, I think Venus is that kind of like sweet spot, blind spot, you know, in, in, in the astrological chart. And I think it takes us a long time to really recognize who we fell for, you know, or, or, or you know, who, who we're waking up in the in the morning with, or, or something like that, and to recognize that there's a bond or, or or a connection, and a lot of times it's very unlikely or very unexpected. It's interesting. It's just making me think. Um, yeah, when looking at synastry, I've noticed a lot of people, the Venus and perhaps Mars, get their way over everything else so when people's charts are quite different but that venus and mars are compatible that's mm -hmm. what's actually holding them together whereas their sun and moon could be quite different and they've have got to deal with that for the whole relationship and somehow work that in right. yeah weave it in you weave it in tapestry to weave in <laughs> yeah so and that's where i think synastry like the readings can really help or understand it because you've got to work with like your directions are so different how you like to live is so different one likes to live in a cave one likes airy and minimal you know so right. yeah like one's a cancer one's a libra sun but there's this compatibility in the venus she is ruling the roost she's called she called the shots yeah she, she she plays an extraordinary role in the way that people get together in my opinion i think she's much more powerful than mars mm. um, especially in relationships i mean in, it's her province you know it's her yes province. yeah that's and, right and Mars is about getting what I want, you know? So Mars is like, oh, I want that. And like how you do it, how right. you get it done. But if you follow the Greek mythology, Venus is the orgasm, right? That's what she's born from. How many of our deities are born from orgasms? <laughs> so that's Venus. <laughs> yeah, right. More than Mars. So I find Venus to be much more involved in sexuality and sexual identity and things like that than, than even Mars. I mean, we all think Mars is like the sex planet and it's like, really? <laughs> I don't know about that. You know, Venus is, is the ah. one. I'll yeah. still say, because I'll still say they're both involved. Mars is definitely how you do it. So, like, I think if someone's got this little, like, I don't know, esoteric Venus, and then they've got this full-on Mars. It's like you think you're getting into bed with someone that's all, like, floaty, and then they're just, like, hardcore. Or, or the reverse, you can really see when the switch happens, like which one's at the wheel at what time. Yeah. Mm. Well, that, that's something that, you know, I mean, again, being a gay man, it's like, you know, I, 
I was always like, you know, gender, huh? How's that work? You know, because, you know, when I came out as a kid, it was always like, well, who's on top? Who's on the bottom? Who's the male? Who's the female? I mean, it was the most intrusive. Roles. Yeah, this roles. What if I talk to you that way about who's like, um, you know, but while my consciousness was developing along with my astrological practice in the 1980s, I would notice that a lot of times, you know, you know, in, in charts with, with heterosexual couples, you know, there were several times in which the woman was much more, you know, had the fiery uh, Venus and the guy had a more, you know, Libra Mars. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that, you know, and so that's what began my journey of like sort of questioning all of that, you know, uh, gender stuff that had been encrusted into um, astrology. But uh, yeah, I, uh, Mars is there, but I don't know if Mars is there as much as Venus is. I mean, again, mm. if you look at Renaissance tapestry and art, and I like to take a lot of my um, work that I do from art history. There's a lot of astrology in art history. Okay, yeah. Because it was used decoratively or, or in some ways to even codify yeah. meanings. Um, but Venus always triumphs over Mars. Okay. Uh, yes. Isn't that interesting? Yes. Yeah, I've seen that Venus always wins. Yeah, she always wins. And maybe you know that Botticelli painting. It's my favorite painting. It's hysterical. Venus is still in her, like, you know, dress or whatever from Primavera. And she's sort of sitting upright and looking across. And Mars is asleep, snoring. <laughs> you know, he's half dressed. And the little Cupid angels or the little Pooty are playing with his spear and his sword and his helmet. And it's just so post sex. I mean, you could almost like, Photoshop a cigarette into Venus's hand. <laughs> She's like smoking that, and Mars is just laid out. <laughs> you know? And that's what I love with the triumph of Venus. <laughs> She's like. <laughs> it's a good point to remember. And I totally agree on all the gender stuff. Like, that's, yeah, if you're gay, you have to obviously start saying, hold on, that doesn't reflect me. And then you question everything from then on forever. So. Yeah, I totally don't gender. Everyone has a Mars, everyone has a Venus, and that's it. It's just roles. And if you want to give away your Mars or your Venus, that's really on you. Right. No, which is a wonderful point. Yeah. But um, they can't see this, but I'm going to hold it up to show you. Ptolemy um, is actually really fascinating. In uh, book three, part 14, and then again in book four, part five, Ptolemy talks about the planet switching genders all the time. Every time a planet goes into another sign, it switches gender. So, so if you look at that, and he's even kind of talking about it, he's talking about a soul which is intrinsically pangender, okay? Mm. And that um, it's trying to find the one that gets along most with yours. So this is Ptolemy, which is, what is that, 97 AD or, or something like that, who's into, and then in the sections that I just talked about, he talks about all kinds of sexual preferences and, and, and fetishes and types and behaviors. He goes into the horoscopes of eunuchs. He goes into the horoscopes of mistresses who are drawn to their slaves. And Oh, you know, interesting. That's really interesting because he, oh, yeah. he did have, because times were so, there were so many multi-layered rungs of society. That, yes. Isn't he lucky in some ways that he had this chance and that he took it? 
This is fascinating. Go on. Well, well, what I found really fascinating about it is because, you know, in a lot of, um, you know, postmodern circles or whatever, you know, Foucault, Michel Foucault, who writes about homosexuality is kind of like, you know, in the 19th century, it's finally named homosexuality and it's a crime and an offense and, you know, da, 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 da. well, all you have to do is go back and read Ptolemy. Okay. And Ptolemy talks about tribids. What's a tribid? A tribid is a lesbian. Tribid or bud? Bed, uh, B-A-D-E, T-R-I-B-A-D-E. Oh. And it's a woman. It's a, it's a lesbian. It's specifically a lesbian woman. And he talks in section, uh, in, in book four, I think, or maybe it's three, um, you know, about women who marry other women. Yeah, because that's a thing. Wives. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I don't know, screw you, Foucault. It started with Ptolemy, I don't know, but it's like, yeah, it goes all the way back to that, you know? So like homosexuality wasn't something that dare not say its name or whatever. It's part of the social intercourse and it's part of, uh, of society. I mean, you know, there are some judgments and things like that that he levels on. And I mean, I'm not gonna go and make, uh, you know, uh, Ptolemy a Tony Kramer or anything like that, but, but uh, or Larry Kramer rather. But what I will say is that an observation that was made by this other academic is that if you follow the formula for how planets hook together in charts and the fact that they change their gender, um, you know, every time a planet changes signs, it's a miracle that you would get a heterosexual pairing. <laughs> I wow. mean, the observation she made was like, the miracle here is how you would actually end up with a heterosexual or what would be co considered a normal pairing because with all the different variations that he mm. lists in catalogs, that would be the rarity. Well, that makes, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because, I mean, I think of uh, the Kinsey scale and all the Kinsey studies, yeah. of course, and, um, you know, maybe that's why these things had to be so enforced by law, but to make it, the thing that's actually the most rare to make that the dominant and only way. Well, I think what we, <clears throat> I think what we forget when we look at the course of world history. Okay, so I love world history. I'm turning into my dad. I love history. <laughs> Her story. <laughs> their story. Okay. Their story. Our story. Okay, our story. Everyone's story. Um, what we sometimes forget is what a heavy <clears throat> emphasis was put on child rearing and how many women died in childbirth. And that's something that I think did a lot to enforce the codes and, and things like that. I mean, when you, when you add, I'm throwing my phone in case it rings, when you add infant mortality rate with property and the transfer of property, you can see how those codes got set up and enforced. And you can also see what happens to women during, you know, during all of this as well. But it wasn't always the case, and it wasn't always practiced in all societies. And Egypt, particularly uh, Hellenized Egypt, was much more liberal than than you know is, is people imagine. Yeah, there's definitely been lots of about faces and turns and twists, and history's fascinating. Who needs uh, fiction? That's <laughs> all I can say. History's like a river. It has bends and turns. Sure does. And I was a writer before I was an astrologer, and I just say, you know, we can write our own story now. We don't need to base it on how anything ever was. We can completely reinvent most things. 
Well, that's why we're in the midst of such a fascinating, um, a fascinating worldwide revolution. Love it. Yes. Yeah. You know, and 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 it's going with you know, relationships, marriage, family structure, state structure. I mean, I love like, it. We're involved in this extraordinary uh, revolution right now, and we get to live at this time. Yeah. So it's really an amazing. An amazing, amazing time to be alive. I mean, would you really have wanted to be alive during the Inquisition? Oish. Uh, <laughs> unless you were the favoured type, I suppose. Right, exactly. But personally, no. And 500 years that Inquisition went on. Crazy. Okay? That's yeah. Inquisition's older than, for instance, the United States. You know, it's like 500 years. That's how long it went on. Anyway, yeah. I digress. War against the unicorns. I know. I've been reading a lot about all of that too. It's yeah, it's pretty horrific. But I'm so glad that we get to see everything just melting now, and we can remold. So go like go for the remolding. Right, but but that's that's where we are with the Aquarian energy right now. Yeah, I mean, everyone sort of automatically assumes that Aquarius is a very progressive liberal sign, and it's not. Mm. Um, in ancient astrology, it can be fanatical. Seven, yeah, it's 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 radical, and it can be radical, progressive, and it can be radical, reactionary. Radical, fanatical. It is the fanatic, radical, isn't it? Radical. I see it as really fanatical. Yeah, radical, well, fanatical. Well, because I mean, and 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 if you think about it, but actually, this happened during Uranus and Aries. How much the term radicalize, right, comes to the fore, and it really comes to a fore. When Uranus is in Aries, I think, or my understanding is, I mean, that's when you really had like, so-and-so was radicalized, this person was radicalized. So it's that whole period of time when Uranus mm. is in Well, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, so so it's, it's an exciting time. It's going to be a very frustrating time, obviously, because we're going to have people who are like, be enlightened, like it's not hard to figure out. And people are like, I'm a Luddite, I can't figure it out. I don't want to figure it out. <laughs> I don't want to give up my privilege or I don't want to give up my social status or I don't, you know, so it's like, I've had the... But the educate, it's about educating. So speaking of Uranus, Uranus yeah. is in Taurus. Right. Let's talk about that because you can't talk about Taurus without talking about Uranus now. And, you know, the memes are just hilarious, of course, of meme opportunity. <laughs> meme the most... The most stable, stability-loving sign that doesn't like change, having literally the radical change maker come through. What's your observation? We're going to have it cross our ascendant. Has it crossed yours yet? Uh, yeah. <gasps> it and it was a and it was a big impact. <laughs> when was that? Is this why you're going all IG live and you're every net everywhere now? No, this was in 2018. And um, this coincided when I found out that I had Meniere's disease. Oh, which I don't know if you. I don't know what that is. It's it's basically you don't. No one knows how you get it, but it's like water in the ear. And I was thinking like swimming, <laughs> like I have to do that or something. It's like no, there's liquid in the ear, and so it affects your. Think of Uranus here. It affects the balance, you know, and. I found out when all of a sudden, you know, I'm like walking my dog with my husband and all of a sudden I get this huge dizzy spell and like next thing I, I'm on the street. You know? Oh, wow. And then it peaked during this period and it got so bad, the vertigo would get, I mean, it was coming like every day, you know, finally I got some stuff done for it and was able to work with therapies and, 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 and uh, 
you know, acupuncture and things like that. But it was so bad that the vertigo would wait. I mean, imagine this. The vertigo woke me up at 4.30 in the morning. And literally, you're waking up. <laughs> Awake and like the oh room. And I couldn't even stay in bed. I had to crawl and get on the floor. <gasps> to so Uranus has literally destabilized you. It literally destabilized me, you know, and that was the, that was the time that, so that was like, okay, I think <laughs> that Uranus is a tourist for me. <laughs> really? Because Uranus is, Uranus is the only planet that orbits the sun rotating on its side yes so in other words it's north and south poles are yes are. it changed your poles oh my gosh right I know. wow that's right. so, crazy so, so the image i like to use for uranus is wheel of fortune what's up is down and what's down yes absolutely so that's what's going and we can throw in some in and out you know like taking something inside out and and things like that and so for taurians yes and for taurus risings yes it's, now has it gone over your rising sign yet no i've still got a little bit to go i'm at 17 taurus so i've got okay. a minute to get ready <laughs> now you've got next year right yeah yeah i know so, yeah, I also had that Saturn square. Really, good times. Anyway, good times. Well, I have to. I want to ask you because you know, obviously, I, I hang out with lots of Taurus rising people. We were saying uh, before I hit record, a lot of my friends seem to have Taurus rising, and we just seem to like constellate or congregate, I suppose. And or, or, or heard. We heard. We do heard. We heard around the coffee table generally at a nice cafe but um yeah like so we've all had it uh going through our 12th houses and I know for me you know just that uh like I've totally been more my insomnia has dialed up totally more um not well you could say anxiety or like just um there's nothing I can put my finger on, but it's just there. And I think it's the Uranus and my friend has just gone into her 12th and all of a sudden, yeah, she's got an anxiety. She can't sleep. And I'm just like, it's your Uranus transit. Like, I think it's awesome because you so got a finger on the pulse of the collective, but it's a lot of energy that's just like coming in at you. Did you feel that? Oh yeah. I mean, this is something that all Aquarians pretty much do have is <laughs> live with it. <laughs> it comes with one of the ruling planets, of course, being Uranus, but yeah, it's, there's this, uh, we have to remember that Uranus is discovered right between, it's the midpoint between uh, the American declaration of independence and the French revolution. Okay. Where you have the two most extreme polar opposite demonstrations of, of democracy. Okay. <laughs> One of them goes on to become a city on the hill democracy. Everyone ignores the part about the slavery and building on the backs of slaves and things like that. But, you know, one of them goes on to become, you know, like the model, the great experiment in the United States of America. And then the other one, the French, is the guillotine. You know, you slice off the heads of all the rich people. No one so knows Uranian, isn't it? Right. No one knows how to organize the government. So the rich people come back. You know, so 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 the idea of a revolution, we think of revolution as an overthrow. Mm. But revolution is also the word we use to describe the orbit of a planet. Yes. Where you start. History, what is it? Repeats. History, <laughs> done story. 
I've got this great t-shirt that says, don't make me repeat myself, dash history. Yes, I love that too. What a great way to see that with the revolution and and Uranus because, yeah, those mistakes just come back again. But the the thing that was also important during that period of time, particularly in Paris and where you see the bridge between America and France, is Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin was the big American diplomat who goes to goes to Paris and he's known as the Lord of Lightning you know the king of electricity and so they would say you know Benjamin Franklin snapped the scepter out you know the scepter electricity out of the hands of the gods and toppled kings and introduced democracy so there's this whole idea of like the zap you know Mm. lightning or the the toppling exactly and so you get revolution right the overthrow Mm. revelation Okay, it's like, and, and our image for that is still the light bulb going off over yes. someone's head where they get the big idea or have the revelation. The so lightning both, strike. Yeah. So and the charge those, as well, the charge, it's like high voltage energy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, sudden like, you know, you know, and you have to ground it. And so revolution and revelation are two very much ideas with Uranus. And then it's in Taurus where a lot of it is being grounded, but I don't know if you guys are experiencing this in Australia, but what we're experiencing literally and figuratively in the United States is redistricting, okay, where the goalposts are being moved around. It's happening with voting districts and it's happening with populace. And this idea of sort of reworking the land or the turf is very mm-hmm. Uranus in Taurus. Um, right now, because of our president, we have like probably the most ambitious you know, they'll say it's the most ambitious vision of a progressive society since LBJ and since Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Well, the last time Uranus was in Taurus was Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And oh, wow. Well. Yeah, that's the last time Uranus okay. was here. So what you'll hear a lot about is the European version, which is the rise of Nazism, fascism, and yes. the redistricting of Europe, you know, literally. Yep. Um, but here in America, it was the New Deal. So this is where all of the progressive policies are put forth. And then Uranus was in Virgo afterwards, and that's LBJ, that's civil rights and the great society here in the United States of America. So Uranus going through an Earth sign, at least with our horoscope, has to do with the rethinking or the reapportionment of the land and the property and and the status of yes that's a different yeah that's a different view of what i was seeing that's a really good point i've seen here and i think it's happening in a lot of countries as well people are moving from the cities to the country which i honestly thought would happen i thought there'd be a bit of a trend with that but obviously didn't know why i just thought it would come into flavor again for some reason and yeah heaps of people are leaving and the country towns are worth a mint now like you all of a yeah. sudden, the houses are so expensive. Property generally is just like going through the roof, except in the cities that yeah. have been locked down. So Melbourne is like chilled a little bit up here because it's. I live in Queensland. It's warm. It's sunny. We barely had any lockdown. We only just had to wear masks for like three days one time. And... Um, <laughs> Because we've just like shut the borders on everything as soon as anything happens. So all these people are moving here. So the prices are just like through the roof. And um, that's that re, yeah, people, that massive movement. It's so interesting. And I don't know if you guys had it there, um, but I know that with the big cities here, like San Francisco, New York, um, is the um, office real estate, you know, it's, you know, with, with, 
we were shut down for more than three days, but I lived yeah. in Utah, for instance, where it was not as bad. We have a lot of space yes. and, and, and things like that. But I did used to live in Manhattan for 28 years and I would turn to Adam and say, oh my God, I can't believe if we had to have gone through this in a Manhattan awful you know, uh, uh, apartment house where everyone's pressing the elevator. But anyway, um, <clears throat> but the thing is you're seeing this huge rethinking of like what the office space is you know like why should people come back to the commercial space and all that sort of thing so again we have to remember space territory is Taurus yeah so Uranus is bringing this whole redistricting or this rethink um of 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 what that what that is I mean you know obviously astrologers would talk about redistribution of wealth and things like that but I think we always have to remember that with Taurus it's land, it's turf, it's territory. Mm. The squire is the archetypal Taurus image, you know, the person who's in the country and like, you know. Mm, Absolutely. Gonna, you know, well, actually, I will say that's a good point, redistribution of wealth, because cryptocurrency, I see that as really the Uranus in Taurus situation because they literally say like the word for it is or how it's known is uh decentralizing finance destabilizing finance um disrupting disrupting finance in a big way you can hear the uranus in it yeah total keywords and it is an opportunity and it has already happened for a lot of people for people that could never sort of break out of their lane to acquire insane wealth. Like it's made so many millionaires out of people that didn't have the money. The other side of it is if you're not willing to get on and take the risk, but kind of not a risk, get educated about what's happening, you miss out and the pool will get poorer if this wealth transfers because a lot of the big people that understand this stuff are getting in and just buying up the Bitcoin, buying up the Ethereum. The rich are actually getting richer. It's like that French Revolution idea. In the end, those guys know what they're doing and it is, again, mostly guys that already have the wealth, so getting even wealthier. So there's like less than 5% are women in cryptocurrency blockchain land apparently. But it's like I've been following it and investing in it over since like September and it's insane. Like you, it's that Uranian thing. Like you, you can't make money grow that fast in anything. It's mm-hmm. crazy. So mm-hmm. redistribution of wealth for sure in a lot of ways. Like it literally is changing garb. Well, I also think it's it's that and I hope that that, or I guess that that might work out. I don't know. It kind of sounds like other things before where it catches on for a while and then, you know, but you just um, never know, you know, as a result of, for instance, COVID, this is the first time that we're really thinking globally in terms of social class, you know, the mm. whole thing of like, do we unpatent or take away the patent to all these vaccines? Because the idea is you cannot, you know, and I love the term that keeps coming up. It's so Tori and herd immunity, you know. Yes. Oh my god, I didn't even think of that. Good one. Yes. Keyword. <laughs> completely Torian, right? Yes. So it's the idea that, you know what? Everyone has to get vaccinated if we're gonna have herd immunity. So the world is becoming, you know, one turf, you know, type of thing. And so this is going to lead to re-examination of societies, which societies work, which ones don't, you know, mm. how on each other, ecosystems, things that have been around, but I think are very much coming to the forefront. 
<clears throat> right now because we realize in like any earth sign would that you've reached your limit you know yes that you've, you've hit the wall here and we literally have as the uh trigon conjunctions of jupiter and saturn last year switched from 200 plus years of earth signs into the air signs that's what happened with the first uh jupiter saturn mm. conjunction in aquarius so for now on the jupiter saturn conjunctions won't be in earth signs but they will be in air signs and so that idea of like thinking of everyone and how wealth has to be distributed because money doesn't mean anything if you know you're living in a nuclear disaster it's that's you know, right it's, yeah. I always think of the, uh, you know, I don't know if it's a real proverb or not, you know, it's become a meme. Uh, yeah. One of the uh, American Indian tribes, I'm not sure which one, or someone from there said something about we'll understand, um, you know, once we realise we can't eat money. Right. So Taurus-y, like you've got the food, you've got the money, you're talking about ruining the natural wealth and the fertility of the land. Absolutely. I mean, Taurus is a gardener. Yeah. You know? I mean, and, and, and I think it's Milton or someone says gar God was a gardener, you know, that, um, <clears throat> that you have to be, it, it's the good earth. You have to be good to the earth. And, and this is something that, you know, I mean, in my lifetime, I saw, I mean, and I was raised in Northern California, uh, Menlo Park, California, Palo Alto, Stanford. And so, you know, we used to have like, you know, whole grains and things like that, but it was a fringy thing, you know, and to see, have seen it become so yes. extreme. It's great, isn't you know, it? It, it? It's wonderful and it makes sense. And why did it take so damn long? I know, granola. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, all the healthy eating and that mainstream awareness, health shops popping up, vegan, like all the different food and food like lifestyle that goes with it. It's a lot of Taurus archetypally that we can yeah. see around being adopted mainstream. It's true. Well, and, and the fact that it's going mainstream is Taurus. And Uranus, I think, because it's bringing it to the people. But I think the idea that it's going mainstream is very Taurian. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's fascinating. I, I would have loved to have seen what Karl Marx thinks of what's going on, would have thought of what's going on in the world right now. It's pretty <laughs> fascinating. I'd be very fascinated to see what 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 he thought. <laughs> but good point, Taurus. Taurus by the way, Taurus. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, okay. That's interesting. Well, maybe like his with concepts and ideas will revive. The Taurus with Aquarius rising. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. He's like he'll probably be revived. Right. So it's true. Taurus is the gardener and, you know, the garden and it's like the second house idea of, well, what's the foundation? What are your resources? It's Taurus mm -hmm. things. Like this is a keystone for life. Right. A, plant, a planet is land. It's earth. That's what it is, you know, and, and that's, I think, what we're all getting connected to. So, so I'm actually kind of, um, I'm, I'm excited by Uranus and Taurus and by, uh, the other ruler of, of Aquarius being in Aquarius right now, Saturn. Yes. <laughs> it's not just a Saturn Uranus square, it's Saturn is in its own sign and Uranus is in a sign that it really doesn't, you know, as you were saying, doesn't really grok or get, but you know, somehow it's 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 all coming together through these through the square. So the next year, year and a half is going to be very, very exciting. 
<laughs> and interesting. <laughs> May you live in interesting times. Oh, we do, we do. And have you noticed the Taurians like getting struck by lightning? I like to call it the electric cattle prod, like sun Venus people <laughs> doing turnabouts or yeah, what have you noticed with that? Or what do you say to, to Taurians or people with Taurus strong in their chart with this Uranus coming through? I've been impressed with um, how comfortable they've been with the change, actually. I mean, with my mm. Taurian clients, a number of them have actually been relieved, you know, of just, you know, I, I kind of felt like I was on this rut, you know, and... Oh, wow, great. Or I always wanted to start my family and I didn't know when COVID lockdown was the time when I started my family. So, so I've actually seen a lot of Torians um, doing quite well with it, you know, because the astrological understanding would be like, Oh my God, it'd be a disaster because everything's up and down and things like that. But actually they're doing really great with it. And I think that that's something, you know, you had mentioned earlier about what kind of gets underestimated with Taurus is mm. um, work with it. <laughs> you know, I mean, and that's kind of where the pragmatism comes in. It's like, if something isn't working as far as a Taurus is concerned, mm. change it, you know, find something else that's going to change you know? it. That's a key word. Change. Yeah. And other signs might be like, you know, I change things all the time. You know, like if you're immutable or they might be like, this has got to work. I'm going to make this, you know, square peg go into this round hole. If it's left. <laughs> and Taurus actually, there's that laid back quality, which is like, you know what, I'm getting the feeling it's not working for you or it's not working for me or whatever, so let's change it, you know? And so mm. Uranus and Taurus has almost given them kind of like permission to do that, mm. <laughs> you know? And, and mm. I, I mean, I was expecting, I think, like a lot of astrologers to see Taurians weeping on the shores, like, oh my God, you know, there's my life. It's gone down, you know, the creek or, or something like that. And it's actually been the opposite. I, uh, many of them I've seen feeling very liberated and very like, you know, Yes, <laughs> I've seen the same. I've noticed the same. It's not what you would think. It's definitely that the Taurians are just going with it and they're updating their tech skills as well, which goes with that, you know, electronic idea. They're probably, I, I would love to know the percent that's into the cryptocurrency because I think they've probably got the vibe for it. Yeah, they're leading the way. If anything, I've seen their friends saying, no, no, you don't need to do that. Don't change. And they're like, they're just going. They're not listening to other people trying to keep them the same. Well, and because who wants to keep you the same but the people who are dependent on you, right? So it's like, I want to keep you in your, you know, category or your cub cubbyhole or whatever here because that's going to make me feel secure. And I'm watching Taurians like, you know what? You know, because Taurus is such a sign that provides, Yes. It is a sign that provides. It is a sign that shelters. So dependable. Sign that takes care of it. Yeah. I mean, it's the rock of Gibraltar. And I'm kind of like watching a whole bunch of them. Like, I'm free. <laughs> <You know? laughs> They're shaking all off all the shags that have nestled into their rock. Exactly. Or, uh, you know, or did you see the pictures of that sheep with the huge like horns and all the, the hair or whatever? And they like clipped its, its <laughs> nails and shorn it. And it was like, I'm fine. Right. <laughs> I love that image. It's just like they're free and, and, and they're excited by it. You know, I mean, of course, it's an earth sign. So Taurus, Virgo, Capricorn, they adapt within mean, within, you know, with moderation, you know, like they still bring along the rituals, the regimen and the to-do list, but yes. 
you know, they're going to bring along that to-do list and read it on a wonderful beach, you know, instead and, of like, you know, in a monk cell or something. And maybe it's like tourists, the Torian people are the ones that can really bring this Uranus to us and bring that into our lives. So the people that are saying don't change, it's because they're going to then have to change by proxy, I suppose. So yeah. look, to, look to your tourist, fr tourist friends to bring the change, but they'll ground it and they'll make it practical. So very useful. Well, the wonderful thing about earth signs is that earth signs want results. Yeah. Okay. An earth sign is not going to take on something and not get paid for it. Or an earth sign isn't going to take on something and produce a result. Mm. Okay. So earth signs have to have a result. And that's another thing that sometimes gets overlooked with Taurus is, is like how results oriented they are. So if anyone's going to figure out, for instance, you were saying cryptocurrency and how do you make that work? Mm. It's going to be, a, it's going to be an earth sign and probably a Taurus, yeah. <laughs> you know, in terms of like, you know, and then how it's going to work for everybody, you know, because again, yes, earth signs have that kind of like, I'm in my, you know, good fences make good neighbors, you know, mindset, but it's still, how does everyone benefit? It will gradually get around to how does everyone benefit? Mm. It's not altruistic, but it's really like, if I benefit and somebody else isn't, that person's going to become my problem. That's an earth sign way of thinking. Right, that's so interesting. I better, I better help out the other person so it doesn't become a problem. That's interesting because Lizzo, the pop singer, US mm -hmm. pop singer Lizzo, she has the song Shine, Shiny, and the line in that is, if I shine, we all shine. And she's a, yeah, she's full Taurus. So there's that statement right there, which is quite beautiful. Oh, I love that. I'll, I'll yeah. Because, uh, no, it's very much, uh, earth signs are about sustainability, you know, and, 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 and so it's not just like, you know, this is my stuff hands off. It's like, if I want good stuff, you better have good stuff. Or if I don't want to deal with COVID again, you better get vaccinated. So this is, so it better go out to everybody. Because yeah. You're going to bring about that. And remember, Taurus is a Venus ruled sign. So Venus is about prosperity and peace. You don't make money mm, on war. That's that well, some people do. <laughs> a lot. Well, they do, they do, but it doesn't last long. Yeah. I mean, like if you look at the United States, I mean, like, look at what we're paying out for these damn wars. Okay. War, you know, I mean, yeah, Eisenhower comes out and talks about the military industrial complex or whatever, but since ancient times, you don't make money off of war. It's going to end up costing you much more than what you're going to make. What you make mm -hmm. money off of is trade and peace. Yes, peace. Thank you. <laughs> yes, please. That's why uh, Jupiter and Venus were always connected to prosperity. Yes. It was the idea that peace and trade and cooperation builds wealth. Growth, not destruction. Growth. Yes. Destruction is going to cost. You know, you might get your high or whatever right off the bat, or you might stake a territory, but now you have to police it. And now you yes. Have, and now yeah. you know, all the money that's going into that thing. So Mars was never connected to prosperity in the way that Venus. Very good point. Connected. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Now let's talk about uh, your. You have you've just turned in your manuscript on a book about uh, the about rising sun. About to turn in. I'm too much shy. About to turn in. So you're working on it. Uh, the rising sign and using the sun like that combination. So let's talk a little bit about that. So 
you go in through all the rising signs and then all the sun sign combinations. So if we're, yeah, with the rising signs. So if you, let's talk about Taurus rising and a few different ideas about that. So we both have Taurus rising, but we have the sun in different signs. (laughs) Yeah. So we've got a, a different way with the Taurus rising. How would you talk about that? Put me on the spot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say? So I'm a Sag sun, but with Taurus rising, you're a Capricorn sun. So earth sun, earth rising, you've got the same element. So you must be super practical. Uh, actually not. No, what <laughs> happened? Is that Mercury and Sagittarius? <laughs> Grand and water deer. But anyway. What was that? Grand trine and water deer. <laughs> oh, very lovely. Okay. No. It's um, one of the things that really, I, I really wanted to write a rising sign book because yes. I don't think there are many good ones out there. Um, and one of the things that struck me was that it's not a persona or a mask. It's often described as your persona, your persona or the way that you want to present. And I used to even teach it like that. Yep. Um, but I realized over the years of doing chart work and, and playing with it, it's actually the face of the chart itself. Hmm. So, and, and I had to describe this to my agent. She was like, well, what's the difference between a sun sign and a rising sign? And I'm like, um, a sun sign is, you know who you are, right? You know, and she's like, yeah. But your face isn't necessarily indicative of who you are. It's a different thing altogether. It's actually interacting with other people. You're taking the social temperature of the room, and you're trying to figure out, you know, where you fit in with things mm. and stuff. And I said, now, who spends more time? I mean, this was pre-Zoom, obviously, but who spends more time looking at your face during the course of a day, you or other people? And yeah, right. Said, okay. Other people. Okay. Yeah. And so that son is always, this is who I am, but the face is actually interacting with other people. So it has an almost sort of Venusian quality to it and so and and so it's and it's a direction so it's taking the energy out of the chart in in a certain way so so people who are near their rising sign when they're born don't necessarily have a distance from how they present and who they are and Mm -hmm. and their own sign rising it's pretty much the same whereas people who are born at sunset might feel a huge difference between the rising and themselves and might be wondering who the hell everyone's dealing with over there, you know? (laughs) I mean, if you're born, you know, across the chart, it might be like, okay, I'm a Scorpio. I feel Scorpio. So I don't know where the hell everyone's getting this Taurus thing. Stable person. I'm not stable. (laughs) It's so so different. And so there, there can become a struggle of who asserts who, where, and, yeah. and when. And so that was, those, those are sort of the beginning ideas. And then I also wanted to take the opportunity to really demonstrate, because the first book is really, uh, these are basic astrology books, but I wanted to demonstrate how modalities work, how um, elements work and things like that. Just so that's it, the cosmic calendar? That's the cosmic calendar, yes. that's the first book. Yeah. And so in the second one, it actually is going to sort of demonstrate how you blend in these different. Mm. different 
And what I found, for instance, you know, because your Sagittarius would be so far from your rising. In the seventh. In, in the seventh, right. So you're a sunset baby. Yeah. So you may feel like the Taurus rising is a very different component mm. than your Sagittarius one. And so that can almost give you the ability to sort of like, you know, maybe put on the rising sign like a coat that day or, or, or you know. <laughs> I can keep my that. cool. I can keep my cool like George Clooney. But you're aware that you're keeping your cool. Yes, you know, very aware. There's a, conscious, there's a consciousness to it, right? Yep. Whereas if the sun were closer, there might not be kind of consciousness about it at all well someone it's it's this is why I think it's such an interesting idea and I'm glad you're doing this book I'm really looking forward to having a look at it myself because it's true especially when you have these really different ascendant and sun sign or chart if you can become more consciously aware of it it I think it's really helpful as well as, you know, if, if you're consulting, it's really important as well when people just don't realise how they're coming across, let alone how to use that to your best advantage and absolutely make the most of it so then you can get to your sun and shine. So I have a friend that studied astrology before me, so a long time ago, and uh, she was actually my manager at the time, and she tried, she came over and tried to just dominate me and be bossy, basically. Oh. And I said something back as a Sagittarius and just like, no, or something like, no, I don't want to, or I just something like that. And she got, I, she got a shock. She got like, it didn't. Yeah. And then she came back and she said, oh my gosh, I just realized I look at you and I think you're really placid because you've got Taurus rising, but there's all that fire behind it. And you answered from the Sagittarius or the Aries moon. And it really, so these things jarred. And that's why since then, I've just been so interested in that combination. So I love that you're doing a book on this. Yeah. And I don't think it's um, a persona or a mask. I don't think it's something that people do consciously. Uh, mm. I mean, in fact, I think a rising sign can have its own pull. You know, like the Taurus rising might want to go and put you in much more stable situations than your Sagittarius sun wants to be in. That's right. <laughs> it's so true. And how do they work that out? Because the rising sign's actually going to be as powerful as the sun. Absolutely. It is such an anchor. It does dominate. It really does. Well, and then when you get into things like, you know, are you dealing with a day chart or a nighttime chart? I mean, the thing that began to really fascinate me was when people kept saying, I read my sun sign and I don't relate, you know, and usually the response to that was like, well, you've got Saturn next to it. Da, 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 da. And then I began realizing things like, mm, mm. this one's a day chart. This one's a night chart. This one is one where the sun is trining or sextiling the ascendant so it gets it. This is one where the sun is opposite the ascendant or semi-sextile the ascendant or in conjunct the ascendant. It's yes. not. Yet. <laughs> yes. You know, and so you would begin to see these differences that were showing up just dealing with with the sun and 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 the rising, or whether this it was a daytime chart that's that's the sun above the horizon, or a nighttime chart in which, in my experience, the moon becomes just as strong, if not even stronger. More mm, focused on the moon, okay. Or a sunset chart where you've got that weird, um, you know, 
disappearing act that the sun is doing where it's you know going down the horizon so are you struggling to get back up into the day that's already passed or are you letting yourself go down into the night and getting into that groove and so you know i mean there's a whole thing that you know i think can be done on the seventh house it's its own you know and it's not just about the partner and yeah so, is it about me is it about you like where do, where are we where are we shining from here right Who's shining okay. And and is the sun going down on me? And so like, <laughs> <laughs> there's that. You know, and then if the rising sign's really strong, it's how you rise, actually. You know. Yes. I mean, it's that. It's well, if you if you do look at it like that, yeah, the sun rising or the rising sign, yeah, if a strong rising or sun rising. And then you look at the opposite. If the sun's setting, that's that's quite different. Yeah, how do you enter a party? A sun rising versus a sun setting. It's quite right. different. different right? I wish so, I could enter a party like a sun rising. I know we all have sun rising envy. <sighs> I totally do. Oh, believe me. And Mars and Capricorn envy. Mm. Big time. Oh, you wish your Mars was in Capricorn. Oh yeah, so much. <laughs> Where you can uh, take no prisoners and make no apologies. <laughs> Work through the night. <laughs> just so practical. I just don't know what to do. What? Where's your Mars? Cancer. Oh, good cuddler. <laughs> no cuddler. Hugger. But, but no, it's 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 a fascinating Mars. I mean, it's I mean, because it was a retrograde. And that progressive switch from retrograde to direct was a big... Yeah, right. That was like a huge, you know, and I'm just like, oh, progression. But that like sold me on progressions. Yes, totally. Progressions are real. Astrologer in that way. I'm like, oh, you know, until like it hits me. I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) They are real. But let's get back to the sun and the, um, as the ruling planet in combination with the ascendant. Would you say the ascendant's like, I'll say it's like an operating system. So it's like how your, what your sun needs to shine through to actually filter out into the world. Like traditional astrology puts the sun on how it manages to shine in through that ascendant. But I'll look at it, well, how do you get out? Like, how do I get my Sagittarian and my fire out through that Taurus lens? Because it, it does. It's like a lens that it still has to filter it through. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Become aware of it is the first thing, okay? And the second thing is uh, utilize its talents and skills and abilities and then also respect its approach, you know? Yes, that's a big thing. Um, you know, Taurus isn't going to do things in a Sagittarian way, okay? Um, but then you also have to find the things that Sagittarius and Taurus have in common. Nature. Uh, nature is huge. Nature is a huge thing. Um, wanting people to be happy, providing, welcoming, big tent philosophy. You know, these are the things that those two signs have in common. Another lovely thing is that they're both benefic ruled, okay? Mm. Venus is ruled yes. by, uh, Taurus is ruled by Venus and Sagittarius is ruled by um, Jupiter. So being a benefit too is going to be very important for you. The people in your life are going to be hugely important for you. I mean, something that, you know, I think people overlook with Sagittarius is how important community and people are to a Sagittarius, okay? 
because it's ruled by Jupiter Polis, the city state. Yes. So Venus is one-on-one connection. So your groups and your one-on-one connection are going to be very important to you as well. So those are the things that if you can look past the, you know, Sagittarius can be erratic and impulsive and Taurus is dull and boring and choose cut and wants stability, you know, like if you can look <laughs> past that, you know, you can start to recognize what the two things mm-hmm. have in common. And clearly people play a very strong role for you in your life with that and being available to people and relationships to people and learning about yourself through people. Mm. And also prosperity will come through that as well. I mean, you know, Sagittarius is the belief that God provides, you know. And, the world is abundant, naturally. Yeah. And Taurus is, okay, God provides, but we have to work the land and produce. And <laughs> Still have to, yeah, do the tilling and the planting and, and the harvesting. Right. But but the thing is, Sagittarius can get into that because yeah. it's athletic and it's like, you know, whatever. Good exercise. <laughs> yeah, good exercise. So, so there are a lot of things where, you know, I love working with dissimilar signs, you know. Yes. You can really see it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, it's funny, the image that came to mind was um, a stained glass window that you were describing. You know, there's a difference between a stained glass window and the way it holds light. And then when the sun is passing through or behind the stained glass window, and the way it illuminates the light. Mm. Yes. So find your best aspects. So for the greatest illumination. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But um, the, the signs that sextile are trying the ascendant. Naturally. Um, the houses that sextile or trying the ascendant are going to be the ones that have the most ease and grace yes. to work with that ascendant. Just naturally. Um, your cardinal points are going to be when it's turning. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. It's either if, if you're a nighttime, you're, you're, you're heading towards the day. And if you're noontime, you're heading on, on down. And mm. so those are turning points that play out in the charts. And then the seventh house to me is beyond fascinating because that's, that's the sun at sunset. And how do you deal with a rising sign, which is so far away from you, but probably one that you're very conscious and aware of. Mm. And so that could either be a source of great frustration or as any creative person knows, it can be a source of great ingenuity. And yeah. And it is what it is. So you just have to learn about it and um, learn how to make the most of it. Yeah. Do you mm. have a, your moon's in Aries. Okay. And then the sun's in, in Sagittarius. Okay. God dealt you a great hand. Where's the Jupiter? Uh, Jupiter's conjunct my sun in a wide orb in the seventh in Sag in sign which is great. And the moon's in the 11th. So that social, that social group plus that one-on-one is um, repeated in the placement of those planets too. Okay. Okay. Mm. No, it's, 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 so is it like the only, you mentioned, I think you said it was the only earth in your chart? Uh, the rising. Yeah. I've got no planets in earth at all. So that's why I think it's so interesting because it's, I know it's the, the rising because there are no other planets that are bringing that energy or feeling through. It's all like fire and air and one planet in water, Mars in Pisces. And that's okay. it. Yeah. Is Mars in Pisces sextiling? I, yes. Hang on. Just. Good. From the 10th. Yeah. Nice. So, so it understands it and it, and it lifts the energy up too. Yes. Sextiles are like the great. I love sextiles. I, I adore sextiles. I like to say they're as good as they sound. Sextile. Uh, sextile. 
they're kind of like the secret ingredient you know that makes the formula love success so successful the sex tiles i mean they really they they really weave together strands of that chart yeah lean into them man yeah so thank you <laughs> for admiring my sextile i love it i love it when you know your sextile sees my sextile i actually love that your uh, mercury and sagittarius sees, and my mercury and sagittarius see each other yeah <laughs> my taurus rising sees your taurus rising but if you can sort of follow the design that I was outlining, you're going to have a different design that supports the midheaven. Okay, so yeah. the houses that are opposite or, or, or the houses that are quincunxing or semi-sextiling the ascendant end up sextiling and supporting or trining the midheaven. Yeah, yes. So, so, so one is the horizon, so it's relational, whereas the other one is aspirational. Yes, you know? oh, I like that. So the design <laughs> changes right there. And it can really follow on that thread if, you just, if you're going to go from that rising, isn't it? If you go into uh, all those different directions with, yeah, what planet is aspecting? Is it uh, easy or challenging? Uh, if you go with the ruling sign and of the ascendant, what's happening with that? You could even go to the dispositors and then over to the sun as well and how that's, is that aspecting also... How's that aspecting? Yeah, what sign, what house? So when is this book due out? Because I'm going to re-release this and help you promote it, of course. It's due out in the fall of 2022. 2022, that's Southern Hemisphere's spring. Yay! Yes, naming and shaming the (laughs) U.S. centralising force. (laughs) The U.S. narcissistic <laughs> down according to our clock and system thing that's going on. <laughs> so just, yeah, I always remember to point that out because, yeah, listeners are just coming in from everywhere now. There's a lot in Europe as well, which, you know, is on your 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 time schedule. But, yeah. yeah. Schedule. Schedule. You want to sound like Sch- a- schedule. <laughs> so 2022, your fall is our spring. Oh, yes. Late, yes. And, oh, yeah, because it's a long turnaround for books. Yeah. It's a long I mean, turnaround. Well, not really. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you're on <laughs> Oh, yeah. Okay, cool, because you're coming into spring now. All right, I'm on board. <laughs> and uh, where can i'll wrap it up now where can people find you what's your website is that the best the hub a bunch of different places there's my venus and aquarius a whole bunch of different places Um, there's rulingplanets.com which is my own website yes Um, and so i answer everything that comes right through there uh i'm horoscope columnist for astrology hub the weekly horoscope columnist for astrology hub and then we're in negotiation for a show so oh wow that's exciting in, in the next couple of months. And then uh, there's the IG Lives, which yes. is every uh, Saturday with Emily. And um, that's also available on the IG Live page. So if you don't make the live, you can watch the episode anyway that we did. Yes, they're great. I've caught up with some of those. I'm really enjoying them. Oh, I'm glad you enjoy yeah. that. I know we have technical, interesting moments, but anyway, Emily, go. <laughs> <laughs> Emily, are you there? Emily, are you there? <laughs> it's like a seance, isn't it? Uh, 
And um, your books, you've got, so this is going to be the third one, is that right? The Cosmic Calendar was the first. You have the Ruling, ruling Planets, is that right? First one, Ruling Planets. Ruling Planets is the first. Right, and that's, um, if you can get that, it's great. It's got lots of art. Beautiful. I know, it's got a lot of art, which is really, really lovely. And so it talks about what I was talking about when we first began, which is the ruling planet. And so we'll talk about the planet and your ruling planet and sign and how it gets along with other ruling planets of other signs. Excellent. Um, this one, I'm holding it up because nobody can see it. Is the, the cosmic calendar. And basically it, um, I, I'm obsessed with introducing astrology to people who are interested, but whose eyes glaze over after about five minutes when you go like, oh, well, that would be a semi-partile too. So yeah, um, you, you just can't say semi-partile ever. Oh no. <laughs> but basically it teaches you how to turn your chart into your own personal calendar. Yeah. That's ultimately the thrust of the book. So what would be the good times of year, bad times of year for you? You know, because because your chart is time uh, calendar and it comes from the idea of time living within oh, very good, Capricorn Sun. Hope I did an okay job describing the, you know, work in progress rising sign book. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So yes, the rising sign book is the one that's coming. And so, and do you do readings? Like, what do you want people to do? Do, do you want them to come and book in with you? Yes, totally buy your books, obviously. Totally buy books. To totally come to the IG lives. I mean, they're free and yep. have fun and, and, and see what you think of them, you know? I yep, mean, get to know Christopher and Emily. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and uh, yeah, and I do readings. Mm -hmm. I do them all around the world. Now, I, I, I've had a whole bunch of people from Australia, which has been you know kind of fun i've had the first people who wrote me were australians when ruling planets came out so i have this like allegiance this love of australia that's awesome and we're wow. a capricorn country you know sun and actually with a bit of sad well a lot of sad so australia will be loving you <laughs> well I work it <laughs> I do, honestly. <laughs> I really, really you would do. enjoy it here. Sydney Mardi Gras, mm -hmm. amazing, so fun. Okay, I yeah. just have to get used to the seasons being different, but okay, so what? A calendar is a calendar, you know, just type of thing. So books, go get a reading, uh, check out your website. I'm just repeating you. Check out website. Check out the website. Go to IGTV Live. And um, yeah, follow up, get to know Christopher and also lovely Emily. Well, I've really enjoyed getting to know you today. I've wanted to have a chat to you for a while and you are so fun. I'd love to see you live because drama background. I know. I'd love to. <laughs> Give me a hug with that. Martin hugging cancer. Yeah, enjoy your Mars in Cancer return, by the way. I, I, I will. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And Thank you for joining me today. This has been Vanessa Montgomery. For more astro and modern mysticism, find me at astroallstars.com. Remember, that's stars with a Z. Take care and stay cosmic.